0: Hey, Catholic Divas, Merry Christmas. I know this is going to be an interesting episode as we just celebrated the beautiful joy of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ on Christmas Day. And yet, The Catholic Church always reminds us, where there's joy, there's also sorrow. So come on into the podcast, listen to my interview with Eileen, and let's talk about the suffering of motherhood. Hello, Catholic Divas. Welcome to Cycles and Sanctity podcast. I am Mama Jane, wife to Steve for almost 37 years, mother of six wonderful children, fertility awareness instructor, and a Catholic mindset coach. Are you confused about your cycle? Do you want to learn how charting your cycles can give you insight, not only to your health, but your mental and emotional state as well? And most importantly, using this information to draw closer to God and pursue your path to holiness? If you answered yes, then you are in the right place. Go grab your journal and your favorite pen and let's do this. Merry Christmas, Catholic Divas. Welcome back to Cycles and Sanctity. I am Mama Jane. And today is a very special feast day that many people are not aware of. It's actually called the Feast of the Holy Innocents. And it's kind of an interesting uh, feast day because we've just celebrated Christmas, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as Christians, this is such a glorious and joyful celebration. And yet during this octave of Christmas, the eight days of Christmas, There's this feast called Feast of Holy Innocence. What is that? Well, we're actually celebrating all of those babies that were literally murdered the night that Joseph was woken up by the angel Gabriel and Joseph and Mary and Jesus fled to Egypt. If you just know a little background, the Magi went to Herod looking for the king of the Jews. He told them to go look for the king and to come back. And then, of course, the angel told them to go a different way. He knew this king was going to be born in Bethlehem. He knew that it was sometime within a two-year period. So all of the babies in Bethlehem from two years, all the boys from two years below were literally murdered. And it's such an interesting feast. Like, why are we celebrating the death? Well, they're the early martyrs. That's why they're called the Holy Innocents. And today I have this beautiful guest and we're going to be talking about the suffering in motherhood because this is one of the truths that motherhood does cause suffering. And Our Lady, when she presented our Lord at the temple 40 days after he was born at the Feast of the Presentation, Simeon predicted to her that sword would be pierced into her heart and all hearts would be laid bare to her. So we call that Seven Sorrows of Our Lady. So Eileen, you and I have connected because of our sorrows in motherhood, and I would love for you to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your own story.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. And it's so good to be here with you. Yeah, it is interesting that we're thinking about these sorrowful things right on the heels of Christmas and celebrating the birth of our Lord. But as you mentioned, that that first sorrow was that prophecy of Simeon that Our Lady experienced. And of course, the second one right on its heels was the flight to Egypt. So my, my name is Eileen Tully. I should have started there. <laughs> and my own story is one that involves the death of my children. And, and my family has experienced two miscarriages. And then in 2011, my husband and I were expecting identical twins, and they had a syndrome called TTTS, twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. And although we did take medical steps to try to save them, one of our daughters, they were girls, she died after the surgery that we had. And, and the other one was born prematurely and lived in the NICU, and then she died at 47 days old. Mm-hmm. So it was probably the hardest thing I've ever experienced in my life. And I had had a miscarriage before that, a very early miscarriage. And that at the time, that was probably one of the most things that I had experienced in my life. And then we had a stillbirth and then an infant loss with our twins. So, you know, one of the things that I learned pretty quickly is that the openness to life that we're called to have in our faith in our marriage also means that we we have to have an openness to loss and to the possibility of our child not living, which is something that I felt I was sad to learn that. <laughs> you know, some people don't know that loss. And some people, you know, I have friends who've had lots of pregnancies and never had any loss. But the idea that you have to be open to life and then also know that it's not guaranteed that you'll get to meet your child and bring them home, it was a bit of a rude awakening. And I wish. I felt a little bit like some of my innocence, my own innocence was (laughs) taken away when I had that understanding. So for myself, I really floundered with my faith after our loss. And I felt, even though I had always been a Christian, I was a revert to Catholicism. And I always felt like I had a close relationship with God. I just, I really struggled, especially with prayer after the death of our daughters because I really had prayed. I mean, I just cried out on a regular basis for their lives for many weeks from when we learned that they had this syndrome till Bridget was in the hospital and died. So I mean it was just it felt like just a constant pouring out of asking for help and interceding for them. And God saw fit to answer my prayers the way he did, which was at the time completely devastating. And and so I really struggled with how to pray after that because I just felt like it felt like you're going to kind of do what you're going to do anyway. So I don't know why I should even bother praying or asking you for what I want. You know, it's yeah. it seemed a little bit that is so so imperative
0: and I have met so many people that when something really traumatic happens to them in their life, whether it's a a loss of a child through miscarriage or infant loss or even a a loss of an adult, an adult child, and or any type of loss, any type of horrific thing that is happening to them or happening to a generation. I mean, we have the Russian and Ukraine or the Palestinian Israelites, Nigeria. There's just so much violence. And how do you justify a good God? And you said something really important right there that I want the the listeners to hear because they might resonate with that somehow, some way is, why should I pray if you're going to do whatever you want anyway? And I have known so many people who have either become agnostic or atheist because of that broken relationship. It's that broken trust in God that turns them away because it's been so painful. And you and I both minister and coach women who have had this type of pain. I mainly do more of infertility, not being able to conceive, or maybe even someone who's trying to conceive after a loss or something like that. And that whole thing of like, is God really looking out for me? Is God really want the best for me? How can this be a good thing, losing my twins? How is this good? So You've gotten to this point, this desperation, almost walking away from God. You were having difficulty praying. Share with us the shift. What happened?
1: Well, before I get there, I would just like to say that our Bridget died on a Thursday night. It was almost midnight when she died. And my husband and I went to Mass on that Sunday. And my mind was really not in Mass on Sunday. It was really just trying to process what we had just, you know, we watched her code and the NICU and they did the paddles and just all, it was like a code on a hospital show, but it's like your three pound baby, right? Like it was just, Mm -hmm. it was in my mind and it was terribly traumatic and I was trying to process it. And like you just said, Jane, what I was thinking was, how is this good, right? And not how can you be good? But I remember, I remember just wrestling all, all of mass and at the beginning, like with the liturgy of the word, my mind was just going, God, I need you to help me understand this because I've had this lifelong relationship with you. I trust you. I, I really felt like this was like a rubber meets the road kind of a moment in my faith. And I just need your help. I still trust you're good, but I need your help understanding like how Is this good? How could this be good? Or like how as a father, a good father, like James says, like all good gifts come from the father of lights, right? So, and I just was like, how are you giving me a good gift by this? Mm -hmm. And I could understand myself as a mother wanting to say no to my children sometimes for something that was hurtful to them or wasn't good for them. But it was like, you gave us this pregnancy anyway. And then you took it away like this, you know? Mm -hmm. So I distinctly remember like right as we were kneeling down for the consecration that day, I had this little like flash of understanding that I think really helped get me through to the point where I didn't give up my faith because I had this. And I felt like God drew back the curtain a tiny bit for just a second and gave me like an image of myself doing something for my child. And and what <laughs> it's funny, like. I had the picture before I had even the words for it. It was like such a flash of understanding, but I was in my kitchen baking something for my two-year-old son Mm -hmm. and I had counted out, maybe I'm gonna use chocolate chips as my example, but like something that I wanted to use to spell out his name on his birthday cake, which I did. That was very like something I would have done. And if he asked me for one of those chips while I was in the midst of this, I would have told him no (laughs) because I had something planned for those chips that was better that he was even going to like better. Right. And so if he had eaten them, I wouldn't have been able to maybe write his name on the cake or something, you know, like, or do whatever I was going to do for him. Mm -hmm. And so I would tell him no (laughs) for that and still be loving, right. I would still be a loving mother to tell him no, but because he was a two-year-old. Right, would have a pepper dish, <laughs> you know, like, you know, tell a two-year-old no without any repercussions. So because he's so limited in his understanding, and even if I explained it to him, he still wouldn't get it because even if the birthday party was that same night, it would be forever to him. It seemed like forever. And so it was, if I even just said like, just wait, like I'm doing something, you're going to like it. It's better. You can't have those. There would be weeping and gnashing of teeth, you know, so... It would be so terrible, but I wouldn't be unmoved by his weeping as a mother in that case, because I had a plan and I had the foresight and I knew. Right. And God gave me that little like bloop of understanding. And I was like, oh, I'm the two year old and you were the me, (laughs) you know, and it was just it was like a lifeline and sometimes it was like the only thing that I had to hold on to, but it really, I mean, you consider it was Thursday night. It was like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three days after she died that I had that little flash and it was like, okay, I needed that to hold on to. So, so that when it got hard to pray and when I just really, as a former Protestant, I felt like I didn't even have the spontaneous prayer was the only acceptable prayer in my mind. You mm-hmm. don't pray with pre-written words; you pray your own words, and I just couldn't—I couldn't come up with them. You know, I just didn't have them to say. Mm-hmm. So that's where it felt really hard because it was like, now what do I do? Because I don't. When I when I would quiet myself to pray my mind would start racing or I'd start crying. Like it was just those quiet times would be the, the hardest times. And so I just felt like a rift was taking place because I didn't have that dialogue with him that I usually did. Mm-hmm. And so one morning I got up and I used to just get up before the kids and have a cup of coffee, try to start my day with a little bit of quiet in my melancholic <laughs> quietness. And I just felt this prompting to pray the rosary. Wow. Which was out of, for me, it felt out of left field because I didn't really, I had prayed it once or twice, maybe with my cradle Catholic husband. I knew he prayed it in the car on the way to work in the morning, but he would invite me to, but I would just be like, I don't really get it. I don't, I don't understand that's this prayer at all. I don't know what the mysteries are. I never know what, you know, what are we doing? But I felt this prompting to pray it. And so I looked it up on YouTube and I found someone that I could just listen to and pray along with. I I was Catholic until I was 8, so I knew the Our Father, I knew the Hail Mary, you know, like it was pretty easy to pick up even if I didn't understand all the mysteries and everything, but I just started doing that every morning mm-hmm. and have my coffee and listen to the rosary and try to pray along the best that I could. And I really think that our lady used that as the first in what would be a series of almost like growing ways that I got to know her. I hadn't gotten to know her before. So she was really kind of my last stumbling block as Protestant coming into Catholicism. It was sort of like, okay, I can believe everything else, but I'm really struggling with Mary. Mm -hmm. So I think she really used that rosary for me to just like sort of quietly and gently introduce herself to me or like acclimate me to the idea of asking for her help. I'm going to cry. think about that. Just asking for her help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so sorry. No, no,
0: no, that's okay. No, this is good. This is good stuff. One of the things that came up for me was I had heard years ago from a priest. It was during Good Friday meditations. And what he said was when our lady looked at the cross, she heard the angel Gabriel's voice in her head saying, and his kingdom will have no end. And that's mm-hmm. what kind of came to me when you said the Lord took away the veil for one moment and showed you this truth that you were the two-year-old. He's making a cake. You want the chocolate chip. You're having a temper tantrum because the chocolate mm-hmm. chip is a good thing. And and why can't I have it? And yet he knows that the chocolate chip needs to be for something else. And there's a greater purpose. And yeah. For me, that was such a great consolation. It's such a mystery of Our Lady standing before the cross, watching her son die, watching Mm -hmm. her physical son die. I mean, she did not run away. She was there and watched him get scourged and she knew everything. And yet she didn't really understand the resurrection. None of them did. And yet she had this trust because the angel Gabriel gave her that little glimpse at the Annunciation and his kingdom will have no end. Right. It's one of those meditations that I have many times during Good Friday or any Friday or when I'm doing the stations or I'm doing the sorrowful mystery of this assurance. This is why our lady is called Our Lady of Faith, and Saturdays are dedicated to mm-hmm. her because you know, Holy Saturday. And yet she didn't understand the whole thing. Right. And yes, that's, that's she didn't understand really it. you you're telling me it's like. You didn't understand the whole thing, but you, at no. least it was like this reprieve. Like Saint Ignatius talks about a consolation in your soul.
1: That was it—a consolation, just Absolutely. enough,
0: like a little bit of water to cool the pain. Yep. And that it's going to be okay. Yeah. You don't need to know everything.
1: Trust me. And that is what yeah. it is, right? I mean, that's it. And it wasn't. I. I don't mean to say that, like. By grieving for our children, we're acting like a two-year-old. You know, it, it was—it just had to do with the perspective. You know, no. like it really was like my perspective compared to my two-year-olds is one that was like, I know that it seems like forever, but it's just going to be tonight. You know, it's just going to be such a short yes. time in the span of eternity. God's perspective, it, that eternal one, and mine is just this limited one, like my child's was. Right. Right. So And you might not even know there's a cake there. Like, you yeah, don't even understand. Yeah, <laughs> he just, it would, he might even not be a cake, but he's yeah. just like, trust something. me, like I'm doing something. And now it was 12 years later. And I think was sort of like the culmination of my getting to know Our Lady, because then we, I did a Novena, which was like the first time I had ever done that. And I did a consecration and we enrolled in the Brown Scapular. And then I learned about Our Lady of Sorrows. And really, kind of had a personal encounter with her as I sort of learned about the sorrows and realized like there's an element of uh, every bit of my loss in all of these sorrows. So, like, it was very easy for me to place myself in her position. Not that hers wasn't infinitely greater, but yeah, in her care. But I just mean, like, as I think about even that, like, as I think about Simeon's prophecy, I imagine okay, she did. We just celebrate the annunciation and the joyful mysteries and the presentation and the joyful mystery. So she had this joy and then boom, like the sorrow comes in. And it just made me think about everyone who loses a pregnancy, like they have this joy of pregnancy and then boom, like there's no heartbeat or there's bleeding or there's something that is like that feeling of the rug being pulled out from under you. But really it's, it's not just pregnancy it's like how many of us are just going along and then there's a diagnosis or there's a car accident or there's so you lose your job or there's something just yeah it's just this sudden like mm-hmm. oh my goodness you know just mm-hmm. this sudden
0: we don't know what's around the corner yeah yeah,
1: yeah we really don't and, and if we look to her example like you said it was one of the things now I point to her in my ministry for grieving mothers because she is just such a great example and One of the things that we really rely on is like you are just talking about, you know, what what other truths do you know about God? What other truths has he told you about himself? Because there's there's this that feels hard and maybe it feels like he's turned away from you or he's not paying attention to you or he's far from you or, you know, and there are so many Psalms that are filled with those words, right? As David is like, Mm -hmm. how long are you going to hide your face from me? Right. Like how many days must I be weeping on my pillow day and night? but he always wraps it up. Then you're like, your mercies are new every morning. Or like, there's just some kind yes, of, you know, with the lamentations, my like, and my salvation. Yeah. Just so many that it always wraps up with like, I have to remind myself of the truths that I already know about you. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things even that we do in my retreats for grieving mothers is like, let's remind ourselves of what we already know and just bring those truths in front of us. It's like, just what the Israelites would do when they would go to battle, they would have it like a little something on their forehead or on their arm that would have the, mm-hmm. the scrolls just... in them to just remind themselves of the truths that this is difficult, but here's what we do know. And that's just so rock solid. And that's what Our Lady must have been. i never heard that before, that that was in her mind at the crucifixion, but that's it. I mean, she must have just been... When she's pondering things in her heart, it's those truths, I'm sure, mm-hmm. just like what do I already know? like I have to think back right, because this feels yeah. hard, but those are solid truths, yeah, and I was discussing in
0: November about death, and St. therese the Lisieux. she's I'm a great devotee of hers, and when she was suffering her passion of uh, tuberculosis, there were moments that the enemy would attack her so much that she didn't believe in heaven or like there was nothing. Mm -hmm. And it just this fear of like, there's nothing. Oh my goodness. There's nothing. There's nothing after death. And what would she do? She would immediately start praying the Nicene Creed or the Apostles Creed and remind her. I love St. Ignatius as well. The consolation, the desolation. I mean, I wish somebody had explained this concept years and years and years ago. I remember first Learning about it. I literally was shouting at my friend, like, why didn't anybody tell me about this? These spiritual discernment rules to discern, like if you're going through a desolation, you don't turn away. You almost dig in deeper. Like and lean deep. in. Yeah. You lean in. And that's exactly what you guys did because you could have very well missed mass on that day. I mean, everybody would have understood, right? Like, yeah, I'm not yeah, up yeah. to facing people. I'm not up to praising God at this moment. And yet right. that's, praise God. That's what you did. You said, no, we go to mass on Sundays and this is what we do. And then how our lady came in and very gently brought you into the motherhood. There's a beautiful book. It's a fictional book. It's called the red tent.
1: It, oh yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah I haven't it, read
0: it, but I've heard of it. There's some stuff in there, but it's a historical fiction about like Abraham, like they're traveling and mm-hmm. all of the women menstruate. So they Live in the wet red tent, and that's where they birth. That's where Rachel is grieving because she can't conceive. Leah's having all these babies, you know, the four wives. So, anytime I have like a motherhood or a sisterhood encounter, my friends and I are like, oh, this is a red tent moment because the men can't understand. Yeah. They have their own grief of a child loss, they have their own way of experiencing not being able to conceive or a child walking away from the faith or a child who, you know, a heartache of something, the prodigal child or something. Yeah. But we as mothers, as women, we have a different way of interpreting. And we're so blessed as a Catholic to have our lady in there. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, our Lord was just so smart, like a, I don't know if you've ever seen Father Calloway. He he has this YouTube Mm -hmm. video, Father Calloway, and he's like, "If I was going to make my mother, like I am God, and I'm going to choose, I would make her the most beautiful woman in the whole world. And not only that, I would have every single culture want to name their daughters after her. So we have Miriam, we have Maria, we have Mary. You know, he just anyway, he just goes on and on. But what a blessing we have, Our Lady." and not just the joyful but the sorrowful. Yeah. And it it is it's this mixture like I said that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have this podcast today because yes, we're celebrating we just had Christmas a few days ago. We might be having family over, we might have gone to parties, we might have been opening presents and gone to Christmas midnight mass or sing carols and all of the beautiful things that Christmas evokes and then we have this day of suffering. Mm. And like I said, most uh, people don't even understand this feast. Like they didn't even know that there was this feast day. And really how I came to understand it was I have a friend who was born on that feast day and we were all like, Hey, happy birthday. She's like, yeah, this isn't that great. I yeah, like, right. well, yeah, I guess not. It's like being born on good
1: Friday or something. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly,
0: right? And 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 so yeah, but it's given me that opportunity to meditate on the holy innocence, right? And all those the, yeah. all of those all of those mother mothers who didn't do. understand what right. was happening, why their right. children were being pulled by the oh, horrible um, and um, yeah. yeah, and then and then just the suffering that Mary had for 7 years And in Egypt like knowing that it was her son that caused that. I mean, that's one of those thoughts that I have when the first way back when in in 97 or 98, when the first Columbine shooting was and they came out with all of the mental state of the shooter. And I remember having like this mother's heart for the mother.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, his
0: mother. Oh, Yes, his mother. Like how did his mother... Like he caused all of this pain and suffering. Now, of course, I mean, Jesus didn't shoot up people and he didn't cause it. He didn't cause Herod to make, that was Herod's choice to, of you know, course, he was yeah. the one that was threatened. He was disordered. He had jealousy. He had envy and he
1: chose. Well, yeah, me. But it was just a foretaste for the Holy family of like, wow, this is, this is how people are going to feel about him. You know, yeah. that prophecy came true quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So this is a very quick podcast because I know everybody's still celebrating Christmas. And I want to encourage each and every one of you, you know, if you've been listening to me for a while, my four spiritual practices are mass, adoration, rosary, and confession. So if you haven't ever prayed the rosary, I want to encourage you to pray the rosary this day or this week. Look online. Like Eileen said, she just Googled it and she found a YouTube Mm -hmm. video. There's Hallow app and there's um, yeah oh Modita there's so many app. things there's now so yeah yeah. Of, I want to encourage you for a moment because I remember when I first started praying the Rosary, I didn't know any of my prayer. I I knew the Our Father, but I didn't know the Hail Mary, and I would always get the Hail Mary and the Holy Mary mixed up. Just be patient with yourselves. Yeah, continue absolutely. to do it. Continue to meditate. Remember, as I say, the Rosary is really our Lord and our Ladies facebook profile pictures it's
1: (laughs) it's it's so and then i didn't understand the repetitiveness of it that's what seemed silly to me as a protestant but i like ironically it's also what was the best part of it for me it felt like that was the most healing was that repetition i didn't have to think of what to say i just had to think about it and so you know like Mm -hmm. that repetition that seems so foolish really it's just God's way, right? <laughs> to take yeah. the foolish things and make them like what you need the most. But yeah, it it seemed foolish. And yet it was what like was like a balm to my broken heart, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: That's so beautiful. Yeah. When I'm walking and stuff, I just pray. I've got like a, a rhythm of Hail Mary. Yes,
1: exactly. You know? Yeah. Um,
0: and it, it is. It's beautiful. Our Lady, I want to encourage if you don't know about Our Lady, reach out to me. You're more than welcome to reach out to me. and we can have a discussion. I mean, I love to talk about Our Lady. I love to do workshops on the total consecration, on Our Mother of Sorrows, on the rosary, all the things, hmm. Marian. <laughs> I'm so thankful that just a little fun fact, I'm actually born on uh, the Feast of the Annunciation. And so, oh, wow. yeah. And actually the rest of that story is I was four pounds when I was born. My mother was an alcoholic by the time I was born. So I was two weeks in the incubator and when I came to that realization that it was this feast day, it was during Lent and we were doing a parish retreat and the last day was the feast of annunciation. And I was like so excited when it was my birthday and this visiting priest was like, oh, it's the feast of annunciation. This is a feast day. Da, 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 da. That was my realization that, oh, Mother Mary's been with me all my life. Wow. And that was the beginning of my relationship with her. I mean, I had been praying my rosary before then, and I'd heard people go to Goria and do all these fantastic things, Fatima and everything. But that was the aha moment that I realized like, wow, I've always had this mother in heaven. As crazy as my childhood was, Mm -hmm. I always had this mother in heaven. And then she was definitely there during my infertile time. And she was there when I lost baby Catherine as well. And So she's always, I just go deeper and deeper. And she just brings me closer to her son because that's the last thing she said in scripture, right? Do whatever he tells you. She always points you back to Jesus, points you back to Jesus. So thank you so much. We will have in the show notes, Eileen's link, if you
1: want to hear her, but you do workshops, you do retreats, right? Yeah, actually I have one coming up in, let me think, for just a few days now, but it starts on January 4th. So I have retreats for grieving mothers, and we we do look to our Lady of Sorrow, though we but we address grief and trauma. I think a lot of people don't recognize just how traumatic a loss like that is. and we talk about just how it affects our other relationships and how it might be hard to pray and why that is. And I do share. Our Lady of Sorrows. And I have written a prayer book called Praying with Our Lady of Sorrows that has meditations for grieving mothers that walks through all the seven sorrows with meditations. So that retreat starts January 4th. You can sign up on my website. But then I also have a, a Lenten retreat that's starting soon. I'm using a workbook that I created. It's called The Sorrowful Way, but it's a Lenten journal that looks at one of the seven sorrows for each week of Lent. So we'll be oh. meeting together live just once a week to work through the workbook and then meet to talk about each one at the end of the week. So you can find information about that on there too. Oh, beautiful. Now the retreat, it's a Zoom retreat? It is, or is it's it an online person? retreat. Oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, so, so it doesn't totally. matter where so, we are.
0: doesn't matter where you are, um, that's right. That's, that's really beautiful. So definitely recommend this, ladies and gentlemen, if you hear this podcast and you know somebody who's still grieving or has had some trauma of infant loss, miscarriage, infertility, anything, anything
1: to do with that? Yeah. And and it actually, even as for adult children, I've had women on there. And a lot of times I'll have people who had a miscarriage maybe years ago, 20 years ago, and Mm. are still just processing it. So whether you just lost a child this past year, or you're still needing some help processing the loss of a child from before. You're welcome. There's something there for you. Thank you so much for your ministry, really. And this is the truth
0: about how God works with us, though, is that he takes our pain. And when we bring our pain to him, he makes all things new, right? And so now you have a unique way of ministering to others in that pain. First of all, because you've gone first. But second of all, you have Our Lady with you. And you can share and open up and break open the pain. And sometimes that's part of the problem is that we want to avoid the pain. We don't know how to, we want run away from it. Or we, like you said, we don't want to acknowledge it. And you're there courageously standing in the gap saying i'm going to be here for you it's a safe place let me show Been you there. the way yeah. and beautiful that's that's so 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 beautiful it,
1: yeah my ministry is actually the retreat is actually called present in the pain <laughs> oh i love it that's i love it
0: cool. <laughs> and you I, and you have a podcast as well
1: yeah it's called it, present, present, the the present in the pain podcast yeah oh beautiful yeah, present it. in
0: the pain so that's yeah that's beautiful and that's our lady in the crucifixion just keeps coming up into my my brain of of standing there before the crucifix holding him after his death, you know, just holding him bloodied. She was so courageous. She wasn't going to run away from it. She ran into it. And like you said, she leaned into it. And that's really what she does for us. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I hope everyone has a very happy Christmas. Remember, we're still in Christmas octave. So (laughs) celebrate that. And then remember also New Year's Day is the feast. It's a holy day of obligation. It's the Feast of Mary, Mother of God, celebrating that Mary truly is the Mother of God, since Jesus Christ is true God and true man. And if you think about this, something so profound, his DNA was from her. So that's all I'm going to say. Well, until next week, God bless you all, and we'll see you in the new year. Catholic Divas, I hope that you were able to listen to this episode with Eileen and I with love and compassion and mercy. Remember, both of us are here to serve you in any way that you need some healing with your own motherhood and your own suffering. Maybe it's not even motherhood. Maybe it's some other kind of suffering. We're both Catholic coaches and we are here to serve you. So please go down into the links in the show notes and click either one of our links so that we can help you. And it would be a great, great honor for me if you could write a review I would love to hear especially your favorite episode of this podcast as we end the year and go into 2024. Have a great day. God bless you.